All right, you can go ahead and start turning to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. I eventually just admitted to myself that I don't know that we're ever going to find the time to preach through the entire book of Ezekiel as much as I would like to, with the amount of detail that I would want to go into on the book of Ezekiel. So I'm going to spare you from me taking like three years to preach through the whole book of Ezekiel. And we're just going to pick up right in chapter 33. So start turning to Ezekiel chapter 33. Um, And as you turn there, uh, I'm going to go ahead and kind of... You know me. I work in analogies. So here we go. Analogy number one for the day. I'm sure there will be more. All right. So uh, as, as most of you know, last couple of weeks. We've been gone. We went on vacation uh, on a cruise. And, and here's the thing that you get really good at when you're planning to go on a cruise at the time of year that we tend to go on cruises. Uh, because we tend to go on cruises during hurricane season. And we go on cruises during hurricane season for two reasons. One, we got married during hurricane season, so we started going on cruises right after that. And two, it's cheaper to go on cruises during hurricane season. And the reason that it's cheaper to go on cruises during hurricane season is because I don't know if you know this, but during hurricane season, there are hurricanes, <laughs> right? Mind blown, I know, right? This is so shocking. But here's the thing. When, when you're getting ready to go on a cruise during hurricane season, there's this, there's this amazing website that your wife tends to find, the National Hurricane Center or something like that, where they ta- basically let you click on this area of the world that your cruise is going to be going through. And it shows you this big picture of all of the water, and it starts to put little dots up there. And each of those little dots, when you hover over those little dots on their map, it'll pop up per- a percentage. And that percentage means this is what chance there is that this little dot will turn into a hurricane that will cut across the path that your boat's going to go on before you get to get on there. Right? And so... And so my wife has become a full-fledged, like, hurricane specialist, meteorologist. I mean, she, she, can, she can look at a little piece of cloud and say, that's going to develop in the next two to three days, and then there's probably about a 60% chance that that's going to cut up north. And she, it was amazing. It was amazing. She figured all of these things out. She's probably like, stop talking about me. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We spent so much time, we spent so much time looking at this weather because, because we need to know where it's going to be so that we can be prepared. We can make arrangements. We can, we can go somewhere else. We can change our vacation plans if there's going to be a hurricane that cuts across. And this happened to us last year when we were trying to go on vacation last year. Hurricane Irma decided she was going to land on the port the day that we were supposed to get on the boat. So you don't get on the boat that day. You change your plans. You do something else. We went on a cruise like three weeks later. Like, that was, that was our change of plans. This year, we're on the cruise, and what was it, Michael? Was that the, was that, was that the guy's name? Michael decides he's going to cut straight up through the Caribbean, right where we're going. We missed him by, like, that much. It was pretty awesome. We ducked around behind him. Weather was beautiful. I know you were all worried. Thank you for your, thank you for your, your cards and your letters that you sent out of concern that we were going to get uh, rained on. We received all of them. Every single one that you sent, we got. Um, sorry. I haven't, I haven't preached to you guys in a while, so i got all kinds of things to say. Um, but yeah, we get really good at looking at the weather ahead. And, and, and it's important that we actually have people that really actually go to school to study these things so that they can put the information on the website so that we can know when these hurricanes are coming. And when they're coming, they, they kind of give you this, and, it, and I, was, I meant to get a picture, but when you click on the projected path of a hurricane, it's like, here's the hurricane, and then there's like the cone 
Everybody's seen this. You've seen the, the cone for where the hurricane might go. It's kind of it's like a guess, our best guess. But, but those things are so important because, because eventually that cone is going to cross over away from water where people aren't like actively living to land, where people are actively living. And it's important for those people who live inside that cone to know there is a hurricane coming. Because I don't know if you know this, hurricanes have high winds and lots of rain and flooding potentially. And they can spit off all kinds of other leather things, tornadoes, all kinds of stuff. We did see a tornado. I did see a tornado while we were on our cruise. It was like way off in the distance. I'll show you the picture. It was amazing. It was super cool. Don't tell Ellie. She didn't see the tornado, but she should freak out. But it was awesome. It was so cool. But, but all these weather things, but, but, but they make sure that you know, because if you live on the coast where a hurricane is going to come land, then, then there is great potential that that is bad for you. That is not good for your house. I don't have answers to weather questions. I'm just going to be honest. I don't have a whole lot of answers. You're more than welcome to ask. What's your question? Are we talking about the Bible? Are we talking about I'm so glad you asked that question because this is how analogies work. We start with the analogy and then I hit you with the Bible. So, so keep listening because this is going to matter. All right. Called out for rambling. Man. So here's the thing. You live on the coast. Hurricanes coming. You have people who are experts who can tell you this weather is coming. It is going to be bad. You should get out. Right? If you ever drive along the coast, anywhere you go, you'll see all these signs that say hurricane evacuation route. They have all these things planned so that when these storms come and somebody says, hey, something bad is coming. It's going to be dangerous for you. Get out. If you stay, this could be bad. And inevitably, there will be people who say, I'm going to try to ride it out. And that may not work out well for them. Some people, unfortunately, aren't able to get out. And that doesn't work out well for them. But, but we have all of these services. We, have, we, we study the weather so that we can know what we need to be prepared for. There's a reason we get tornado warnings and tornado watches and all of these things, alerts coming to your phones now or, or, or these weather radios or they put it out on the TV because they want you to know because it could be potentially bad and you may need to make some sort of preparations for the bad thing that is coming ahead. Bible time. That's what we're reading about in Ezekiel today. So if you're in Ezekiel chapter 33... God has this conversation with Ezekiel on two different occasions. Um, and what he's saying is, I've called you to basically be my mouthpiece. I'm calling you to speak to my people. I'm calling you to speak to the people who, 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 who may not know what all is going on in the world. You're basically going to be my spiritual meteorologist. You're going to warn people about these, these things that are wrong with them and what it is that's coming for them. That's Ezekiel's job. His job is to basically deliver bad news to the people of Israel. That's his life in all sorts of crazy ways. And we're not going to get into all those sorts of crazy ways, but there's like one point where he's like, I want you to go outside and I want you to lay down on your left side for like two years or something like that. If you're naked, please be naked. I need you to be, like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just like crazy things that Ezekiel has to do to kind of demonstrate how God feels about his relationship with Israel at this point. And so now he's kind of talking about what that role really means. So in Ezekiel chapter 33, we're picking up in verse 1. Ezekiel says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, 
Speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make them their watchmen, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land, and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. So here's what we're talking about today. This idea that, that, that God has a watchman, that he has called out. In this case, it was Ezekiel. I'm going to connect this to a couple of different groups of people by the end of our day today. Uh, but the first thing that I want us to realize is that, that, that God, again, and we've talked about this before, God has standards. God has things that he expects of his people. God, God has this, this balance of righteousness and unrighteousness, right? There is a standard by which God holds all of his creation. And that standard, he has, he's called us out for our sin on many occasions through many mouthpieces. In this case, it was Ezekiel. But what I also want to say is, this is not the only time that God has given a message to his people to deliver of salvation. So the place that I want us to start, and this is, this is a little bit for me and for Caleb and Dad, the first thing that I realize when I read this, pastor, this passage is that, that we as pastors have a big responsibility to teach truth. We as, as pastors have a responsibility to teach sometimes very difficult truths, right? right think about the message that, that God is giving Ezekiel right here. He's saying, if I come and say there's a sword coming, you're going to die. That's not good news, right? It's good news if you don't get killed by the sword, it's good news if you listen to what it is that he said. But, but this message, this message that he's been given to deliver, and if you read throughout the book of Ezekiel, God doesn't have a lot of good things to say to the people that Ezekiel is supposed to speak to because they're all in their sin. They're all in iniquity. They're all, they're all broken people who are chasing after false gods and all sorts of crazy things. And, and, and this message that Ezekiel's called to deliver is not one that's necessarily fun, and it's one that's often quite challenging for the people that he's delivering it to. But and I, and I was listening back to the sermons that, that I missed while we were gone, and some of the things that Caleb was talking about, the way that we need to, to love widows last week, is, is a hard call, right? Sometimes that, some of the things that, that we're being called to do as the church are difficult things. They are inconvenient things to us at some points. It's, that's going to take my time. I'm going to have to let go of this if I'm going to obey the things that the Bible's calling me to do, Right? I'm not saying these are bad things or these things that should be upsetting to us, but, but sometimes the things that we're asked to do are not easy. Sometimes the things we're asked to do are not 
Always fun. Sometimes the things that we're being asked to change about ourselves are things that we would not want to change about ourselves. Sometimes we may not want to let go of the sin that's in our lives. Sometimes we may not want to to stop pursuing this this dream that we've always had. And we're realizing all of a sudden that 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 dream is, is, is hindering our walk with Christ. We're given lots of hard callings in this book. And, I, and I'm reminded of this every time I teach out of it, that there's always something in here that I hear that's not true of me. There's something in here that, that, that is hard for me to hear or is difficult for me to pursue. And, 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 and I think of, and I, and I can relate to Ezekiel because, because God has put, has put me in this position where I'm supposed to pull truth out of this book to teach you guys. And sometimes you're not going to want to hear it, but, but it's my responsibility and, and privilege to, to deliver these truths, even though sometimes these truths are hard. And, and I think just for us, as, as I'm reading this passage this week, it's that, that if we don't say these things when we're called to say them, then we have to give an account to God for that. And so I say that as an encouragement to, to us, guys, that that when we, when we have hard things to teach, when we have something that, that makes us uncomfortable to have to enforce, or we're, we're having to deal with a difficult situation with somebody who's in sin, or whatever it may be, that, that it is on us because we have been given this responsibility. I'm not letting you guys off the hook. Y'all are coming up next. Don't. Don't think that I don't have anything for you guys as well. But, but look, look at Paul's attitude. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 20, you can. I'll give you just a second while I find it. But in Acts chapter 20, you're going to kind of get this attitude from, from Paul where he also had been teaching. And, and some of the things that he was going to teach were going to be unpopular. And then in Acts chapter 20, I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, and how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God of faith and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ." Skip on down to verse 26. He goes on. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he has obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Look at the heart of Paul in that, in that passage. This is a challenge to the church, and it's also a challenge to those who have been set up as overseers, as pastors, as elders in the church that he's been ministering in. He's like, you saw how I wasn't afraid to say the truths that I needed to say. I don't feel guilty as I leave you that, that I have left you in some sort of a confused place where you're not going to understand what's right and wrong. 
right? I said all the things. I've been here for three years, and I never stopped speaking the truth to you that you needed to hear, admonishing you, correcting you, telling you the things about your lives that, that weren't lining up with what the will of God was, the things that you were doing, the ways that you were speaking, the people that you were uh, uh, spending your time with, whatever it may be, whatever that thing was in your life. I never stopped, and it's important that you never stop, is what he's saying to these pastors, because I'm going to go, and when I go, all of these kinds of things are going to start popping up. The same kinds of things that I've been fighting against, you're going to be fighting against, and it's not going to quit, and you have to continue daily pressing on with the truth of the gospel. Daily pressing on with the truth of the gospel, because, because the moment you quit, the moment you let up with that truth, that's when the wolves are going to pop up and that's when they're going to start pulling away at the people. And that's when things are going to start to fall apart. But here's the thing. Yes, he's talking to the pastors, but this is a message for all of us. This is a, there, there's a sense of urgency that I think we can all hear in both of what Paul is saying and what God was saying to Ezekiel, right? Because in both of those cases, he's saying there are bad things right around the corner. This is the cheery, uplifting part of the sermon, right? There are bad things right around the corner. With Ezekiel, he's saying, there are guys with swords right outside the gates. They're coming to take you away, right? With, with Paul, he's saying, there are wolves among you who are ready to pop up and start saying all kinds of twisted things and confuse all the people in your church and carry them off into sin, right? That is a reality that wasn't just true in when, those, when those books were being written. That is a reality that we are still facing right now. There is still danger right outside the doors. I'm not saying that means we should huddle up inside the building and lock the doors and turn off the lights and hide ourselves. But what I'm saying is we need to sense this, this, this reality that we are facing. That, that, there, that there, are, there, there, is, there is sin and there is wickedness, but there's also pain and brokenness and need. All of those things that Caleb has been calling us to for the last few weeks. There, there are things that we need to address, and we need to have the same sense of urgency that a watchman would have as he stands on a tower and sees an army coming for the city. Right? What does it say that he's supposed to do when he sees the army coming? Blow a trumpet. Right? That, is, that is assertive. That is loud. If it's in the middle of the night, that's going to be abrasive. If it was me, I'd get real grumpy because I'd have been asleep and I don't wake up well. But, but, but it's, it's get people's attention. And this is where I want us as a church to be. Um, when we started talking about how are we going to explain our vision moving forward as a church, we were like, we need to come up with some sort of way that, that we as a church are going to be able to understand it simply, get it in our hearts, get it in our vocabulary, and make it a part of what we, what we do, how we act, how we speak as a church. And we came up with those, those, those three words, right? Grow, mature, reach. We could have come up with any set of words, but, but we, we really felt like God locked us in on those words because we wanted, we wanted our church as a whole to be growing, maturing, reaching out, loving people, seeing people changed by the power of the gospel. And I think we really aggressively introduce that idea and it's really easy to lose sight of those three words because we get distracted by everything else that goes on in our lives. That's a confession from me. Like it is really easy to lose sight of, 
oh, I preached that sermon six weeks ago. I'm prepping for this sermon this week. But, but if it doesn't become a part of, of my vocabulary and we as a church don't get around this idea of we are trying to reach out to get to know, build more relationships out here so that, so that we can grow the church through the power of sharing the gospel and seeing people within the church maturing and becoming more like Christ. If we are not every day with the same sense of urgency trying to pursue that as if, as if our lives were at stake, which they are, as if the lives of the people that live in these neighborhoods right around us are at stake, which they are. If we don't get that sense, then we're just going to kind of lazily walk in here, hang out for a little bit, eat some baked potatoes, say hi, take off, and that's it. Think about the picture that we were given in both Acts 20 and in Ezekiel 33. In Ezekiel 33, there's an army coming to kill the people in your city and carry, carry away all of your things. Think about, think about Paul's situation. He's saying, there are people from among you who are waiting for me to disappear so that they can undermine every single thing that I've done here. Think about, think about the meteorologist who's saying there's a storm with 150 mile per hour winds coming straight for you. You need to do something about that now. This is the kind of thing that we as the church, and I don't mean CRC, I mean this, the, the, the global church. This is what we are facing because, because here's the thing. The message that we've been given is quite simple. You are in sin you are far from God. He has made a way to reconcile you to himself. Repent. It sounds so simple to us, but we don't take that message with any real sense of urgency 24-7. At least I know I don't. I'm not saying those are the only words you can ever say and those are the only ways that you can ever talk to people. But if our hearts are not always feeling the urgency of the need to take the gospel with us. Wherever it is that we are, we are missing an opportunity. Because if there's one thing that we've known about God, he, he, he fulfills his promises. He does the things he says he's going to do. And when he says he's going to judge sin, he's going to judge sin. So we want to make sure that people know that they can be reconciled to him so that that judgment isn't coming for them. Right, right. Look at what he says in Ezekiel 33 about the sword. Who is it that he says is bringing the sword against the people? He says, I am bringing the sword against the people. This isn't just, this isn't just the people of the city being unlucky. Oh, there happens to be something. There's a happenstance. Something bad's going to happen. It was just an accident. Couldn't, just a coincidence. No, no, no. This is, this is a decisive action by God to judge people for their sin. And that is what we are facing. Is that, is that people who are far from God, people who are unsaved, people who are not reconciled, who are in their sin, are facing the wrath of God. And we know that he doesn't relent. Right? right. He's not going to just give them a pass. There's one way to God, and that is through Jesus. Luke 13, 3. Jesus says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
This is what it sounds like to be a watchman. This is what it sounds like to be the person who's looking out. You have to deliver news. You have to deliver bad news sometimes. Like that's your job is to say when the bad things are coming. And we may not want to hear bad news. I, I don't like hearing bad news. I'm sure you don't like hearing bad news. I'm sure you don't like when people tell you, you need to change something because you're doing this wrong. Right? I mean, I do video. I got my degree in digital media. The one thing you learn, the, the, I think the most important lesson, they don't ever tell you this, you finally figure it out, but when you're doing some sort of graphic design or some sort of artistic degree, Basically, what the four years of undergraduate study are there for is basically to toughen up your skin because the whole thing is basically people just telling you how bad your work is. It's kind of how it worked for us. It was like everybody's trying to tell you what's wrong with your design because you're trying to prop up your own. And so you, get, you hear bad news about your work all the time. And I don't like hearing bad news. I like words of affirmation. In case you're ever wondering, five love languages, you can say nice things to me, it'll make me grin real big. But sometimes we have to be delivered bad news. And the thing that, that I want us to realize is that the bad news that sometimes we are called to deliver, or sometimes that we as pastors are called to deliver to you guys, is a good thing. Because, because if that bad news is not delivered, then what's going to happen? The army's going to come in and take away everybody in the city. The wolves are going to raise up and confuse all the theology and carry people away out of the church. Right? Right. The bad news that, that, that you are in sin and you need to repent is the best news that you could possibly hear. It's the best news that we could possibly deliver. The message of the gospel is the only hope for the world. And I want us to have this sense of urgency like people are at risk of dying because people are at risk of dying. I want us, I want us to love people in such a way that, that we, don't, we don't wait to deliver the bad news that, hey, you, by the way, you're in sin, you need Jesus. Let's, let's, let's not wait on that. Let's, let's tell people there is hope. Let's tell people that there is something they do. Let's love people like we actually love people. Let's not just say we love people and offer them a baked potato when they come in for lunch, shake their hand and say, we'll see you next time. But maybe let's actually love them and get, into the, get involved in their life and get to know them and share, share the truth of the gospel with them. And there are so many different ways that we can, we can really love people. There are so many ways that we can... That we can that we can pursue people. There's so many ways that we can act as that watchman and we can, we can stand on the tower and say, look, there's something bad that is coming. One of the things that I've gotten like super passionate about in the last couple of months, and this has been as we've gotten more and more and more involved in trying to help fight the opioid crisis in our area, um, Several of us went to the Holy Friendship Summit, and, and I knew a lot about the, the issue then, but I don't know if this happened for you, but like I got it so much more coming out of that event. And, and since then, the thing that I've gotten more and more passionate about is desiring to see the church feel the sense of urgency that we need to do something because we have the answer. 
right? We have the answer for this. We can, we can step into this problem with the hope of Jesus and the desire to love people the way that, that Jesus makes us able to love people. And I desire to, to see the church get a hold of this sense of urgency. I think several of us here have gotten a taste of that, but I so want to see us as a, as a unified body of believers, not just CRC, like I said earlier, but, but so many of us become passionate about loving people and stepping out because, because there is danger in us not shouting, there is hope. We can't leave people in their hopelessness, and we're the ones who have the real message of hope. Matthew 16, 19. This is, this is, Pe- this is Peter's interaction with Jesus where, where he's declaring Jesus to be Christ. And then right after that, Jesus says back to him, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And this is why it matters that we get this stuff right as the church, why we get this stuff right as pastors, and why we apply this stuff rightly, because we were the ones who were given the gospel. When Jesus left, he left the, he left the mission to the church. We are the ones, we are the ones who carry the hope forward. He could, have, he could have gone ahead with the gospel and, and saved people any number of ways. He could have done it however he wanted to, but he, he left it to us. He left this, this vital task of taking the gospel and loving people and trying to see people's lives changed and filled with hope. He left that to us. And that's why, that's why we worry about details. That's why we worry about theology. That's why we worry about how and when and why we baptize people and give them communion and let them join the church. And this is why we address sin in people's lives. And it's why we have really, really long discussions about little bitty phrases and little verses that we may or may not have read before. And then we see this new, it's like, there's a reason that we value all of these things. Because, because the church is the vehicle through which Christ is, is propagating the gospel throughout all of his creation. And we have to get this right. And that's why we have to all, as CRC, get on the same page about our mission. That's why we all have to get behind this idea. If we want to take the gospel out to Johnson City, we want to see people saved. It's why we want to tell people who may be wandering aimlessly looking for a church, we've got a place for you here. We've got a mission for you here. It's why we need to be so committed to loving one another and building each other up and discipling one another so that we better understand who Jesus is and better understand what our mission is. It's why we can't, we can't just be comfortable hanging out with our friends in our community group and right here in this building, but we have to start reaching out and building relationships outside of this place and connecting with, with the bigger church in the area because I don't know if you guys know this, we're a pretty small church. We can only do so much. But that doesn't mean that we can't connect with other people and start to make a big impact just by the way that, that we connect to and interact with the rest of the body of Christ. That's why we have, to, we have to develop this sense of urgency that we've got to do something now. We can't hold back. We can't wait. That's why we have to, we have to buy in to this message. We have to be all in on this call because here's the thing. There is great danger in not being repentant. 
Maybe as I'm saying all this, you're like, man, I don't even know what he's talking about. Who's this message even for? Maybe you're not actually saved. Maybe you're not a part of the body of Christ. I go back to Luke 13. Unless you repent, unless you repent, unless, unless you recognize your need for Jesus, you are one of those who are standing inside the city and the army's coming. And I don't want you to get carried away. I want you to know that, that there is hope. You can get away from the storm that is coming. This is the message. And, and I, want, I want you to hear that Jesus is that hope. For those of us who are in Christ, love that. Love that message. Love that knowledge that Jesus is all that we need and we have him. We have him. We don't need safety. We don't need comfort. We don't need whatever the things are that you may say, I need to worry about this right now. We, don't, we need Jesus. Jesus has you. And Jesus says, says, take this gospel with you and share it. We need nothing else. We don't need to be afraid of sharing that gospel. We don't need to be afraid of taking that and delivering that news. Because what if somebody, what if I tell somebody their sin, they don't like it? What if it makes, what if it hurts their feelings? What if I lose that relationship? Better that they know than that they die and that be on your head. (laughs) Right? That's what he's saying. I don't feel guilty because I said everything that I needed to say. We need to be the kind of people who are comfortable to say everything we need to say. Because we're confident in the power of the gospel and we're confident in who Jesus says we are. Let's pray.